0: To another episode of the Brain Foods podcast season number three. And I am super, super delighted today to welcome Victoria Howard. She co-founded one of a really interesting foundations called Hippo AI Foundation in her past work, where she focused a lot on data and AI in medicine. But now her main focus is on the question, how to shape the companies of the future. As always, you can listen to Brain Fruits on Spotify, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review and make sure to refer us to one of your friends. But first of all, I want to say welcome, Victoria. It's such a pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you, Hannah. Very nice to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation and giving me the opportunity, yeah, to be your guest. That is amazing. It's also
0: just such a cool background that you bring to the Brainfruits Podcast. I don't think we had ever anyone from a Um, AI Foundation and has worked with artificial intelligence and medicine so this is really interesting and I love also from your background that this is nothing that you were basically born with right like you have a background in master of arts and business you have over a decade of experience in uh, different industries ranging from like uh, financial consulting to digital marketing so I really love that you have this breadth of experience and can tell us a little bit today about how to problem solve how to elevate potential with an entrepreneurial lens. Can you tell us about your startup trajectory to date and a little bit about yourself, Victoria?
1: Thank you so much for the introduction. Where do I start? <laughs> so, okay, well, I grew up in the Austrian Mountains and live now in Berlin since 60 years, but I won't tell you the whole story, so don't worry. So, as you mentioned, um, I worked in a lot of different roles and industries. Um, So banking, real estate, um, sharing economy, and my last station was about digital health, as you mentioned, focusing on uh, medical data and medical AI, or more how we can accelerate innovation in this area. You know, I'm really passionate about creating um, win-win opportunities, identifying uh, potential pain points and finding solutions and then maybe building MVPs and products um, and ecosystem, ecosystems around it, you know. And this was also my approach when I, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in the summer of 2019. So I really tried from, from the beginning, you know, to, yeah, to, to accept the situation and, and take it as it is, but um, use this for, for something good. When you're diagnosed with um, such a disease, it really there there is there is so much emotion, you know. It's total total chaos. Um, I always try to or like to describe it as: imagine you're you taking your handbag and turn it upside down. You know, this is this is how it it basically felt, I would say. And the comparison with the handbag. Imagine that you then have to take all the the pieces and you know reorder it during this process of you know reflecting, reordering. Mm. Um, it It reminded me of what's really what's really important to me and where my passion lies. And this is where the topic of you know solving problems and enabling mm. potential comes in. And um, so this disease really opened up a completely new perspective for me. Wow, what an experience, and I'm really
0: grateful that you share your journey uh, with us here. I think that what I take from this is that um, collaboration and vulnerability to a lot of extent is really key for, I think, human experience, but also for for problem solving. Um, I'm super curious to hear a little bit about your past um, experience here, especially. So there's so many problems out there, right? Um, And in order to find how to measure success, how to set up good metrics to see how far we can get to solve a given problem. We need one is good key indicators, but another thing is good data to show how how we get there, how far we are. I'm super curious, like, what's your thought on, on data sharing, especially in the world of medicine? You have been both a patient, you have been working in a foundation. Where especially in Germany, there's a lot of discussion still around security, data privacy, and
1: especially patients being
0: very concerned about their very personal data. So
1: this is really um, essential for for our future because, um, as you now mentioned, there is the the huge, you know, fear around data sharing. Mm. Mm. I think this is true for patients and I will talk about that in a second, but I think it's also true for for companies. But on, on company or organization side, I would call it less data fearing, more data hoarding. So Mm -hmm. so at the moment, the status quo is um, somewhere between data fearing on one side and data hoarding on the other side. Um, And and I think that the challenge we have and uh, or the opportunity to create the, the most positive impact for all of us, is how can we overcome these these hurdles? How can we shape the future, right? That's the main question. How can we create the the most positive impact? Mm -hmm. And I I think it all starts with this access to data because it's the the base for for research, it's the base for innovation. I think we're aligned on that, right? So um, there are a lot of challenges to overcome I think besides the, um, besides the fear and the hoarding. So mm-hmm. of course, there comes in the, the tech perspective. I'm, I'm, I'm not the, the tech person, but of course we have to think about topics like uh, infrastructure and also um, you know, the digitization of medical data. Um, yeah. let, let Give me an example, I'm talking about breast cancer, and especially you know to to make an, an, a good diagnosis, you need uh, pathology data. Mm. So this is coming from body tissue, uh, which then is analyzed under the microscope. So um, a lot of the data is really um, in an analog way in still in drawers. So um, we we have the problem that we're not even It's not about the access to the data, that's the second issue, but first we have to digitize the data, right? Mm -hmm. To even discuss the access. How can we then share this data? Um, How can we, in this sharing process, uh, involve patients, involve um, the society? Let's, Let's not just talk about patients because in the end, every one of us becomes a patient at some point, right? So how can we involve them, but don't burden them? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, so because just imagine, you know, there is so much research going on and and I think it's not a solution to ask every single individual every time someone tries to access that data, right? There are ideas out there, Mm -hmm. for example, what is called participatory data stewardship. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe this is something we can then discuss um, a little bit in more depth, if you like, because it it, it drives to, um involve the 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 society the patients but don't burden them with the decisions all the time um it's a lot of i would say awareness and mindset um you mentioned that patients are are fearing the, mm. the access to data I, I i think i will challenge that because um, my theory is that patients will be the first mover regarding data sharing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And
0: I love that you also refer here to the patient as the first mover. I think that's a really great perspective to get on this um, topic. I would like to switch a bit gears and ask you about how did you find the confidence, especially after your experience being diagnosed with breast cancer to start and co-create your own altruistic data organization?
1: coming from a totally different background yeah yeah that that is uh, really if now now when you mention it it really it really um it's interesting yeah that i had a confidence in that moment um, i mean first of all um i have to i have to say it wasn't me alone right um so I, I found the founder of the Yebuaya Foundation, Bart De Witte, and, and approached him within the first day after, after my diagnosis. Yeah. Um, and well, coming back to your question, I think the um, what I would describe as my biggest strength is um, adaption. I'm 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 able to adapt new situations pretty fast. You know, mm-hmm. accept it. Um, and then trying to use the potential lying within that um, chaos what I described just earlier, you know? So use that um, energy coming with that situation and come up with um, ideas or the first step is that you you get a really, a completely new perspective on things. Um, And, you know, I think or what what's important to say, and I think it's um, highly underestimated, is that especially patients have a have a certain expertise. Yeah. Um, they, they only they know how their disease and and uh, all that's coming with the disease really feels, right? So um, I I think I just thought if I won't work on it, then who will work on it, right? Yeah. And I, I, I truly believe you—you you don't have a, really a choice. If you're getting thick, you have—you um, have two opportunities. You can—you can choose your life, or you can downfall. I decided to live, and yeah, with all the implications that, that brought with it. I think the most important decision I made was to yeah to make something useful out mm-hmm. of this uh, yeah, threatening situation. As I said, I found Bart, the founder of the Foundation, and I would describe it more that um, he empowered me to start this uh, project, the open data project. In the end, like making
0: a profound change and taking the ownership and the responsibility to change what you want to do with your career and with your life comes down to making one choice, which is to either change or not, right? And there's, of course, a lot of things that at stake, but I think the realization that Um, You either live or you die, whether that's like really physically or almost, you know, mentally or soul wise, if you're stuck in a job that you just really, really don't like, or if you're stuck in a life situation that you say you really don't want to be in it, but you struggle to change it. It's this one simple choice that you have to make. And that is quite threatening to many people and quite um, intimidating. And I love that you share, it is about choosing life and like realizing that it's your life. To make a difference. It's no one else that will ever make this choice for you. Coming back a little bit to your um, to your mission to also help other breast cancer survivors to work with data to work with technology. What
1: is uh, the problem that breast cancer survivor like you really wants to solve? Let's Let's focus not just on breast cancer. I would like to frame it. Um, how can we provide all of us? Mm-hmm. If we say the end goal, provide yeah. all of us with the best possible and holistic access to care. So yeah. um, I, I think there's still a lot of, um, yeah, unequal, unequal he- healthcare access out there. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is not just true if we focus, you know, on a global perspective. Even on a local um, perspective, it's it's true because. Um, this has to do with how medical knowledge is distributed. So mm. in the end, this is coming back to, to individuals um, and doctors um, and, and, and patients as well. You know, So how good are the parties informed? Um, what access do they have to the latest research or, or not? Or also, um, yeah, well, how good do they um, work with each other? All yeah. these things can influence the outcome of, of a disease or a treatment.
0: What is like um, some of the perspectives if we think about different users, so to say? I mean, we have the patient, but we also have companies, right? Like the tech perspective should take on that a little bit more. And then maybe also providers like uh, hospitals.
1: What is, their,
0: um, what is their mindset at the moment? What mindset should
1: they have? What I described earlier, or would describe as as data hoarding. Mm. So, um, there is a lot of data available in theory, but it's it's stuck in in silos. And this is where I I mentioned the the idea of participatory data uh, stewardship. And the idea basically is coming from the Ada Lovelace Institute. Mm-hmm. It's basically the idea that there is a new kind of um, data organizations established. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really, imagine it as a huge system of different um, data institutions. I think that's the, that's the idea. And you can choose um, this one you're really comfortable with because you're aligned in values, let's say, um, or you um, trust this organization. Mm -hmm. And then this organization um, distributes the data on your behalf, can be really, something in the future to, to overcome this challenge of, of hoarding and fearing. Now, if we look at but like, into how big this problem really is,
0: well, there is like half of the world's population, we can say, lacks access to essential healthcare services even. So it's not a small problem that you are very passionate about, and I think many others as well. There's each year around 100 million that, uh, people that are pushed into really bad situations in poverty just because they had to pay necessary health care all of their own pockets so yeah, these inequalities and access to health care is one of the biggest issues also that's addressed as part of the sustainable development goals right like goal numbers three really states that everyone should have good health and well-being um, so I think this is where this really feeds into how do you see data sharing how um, would be helpful to achieve goal number three of the SDGs faster
1: mm-hmm. so um maybe let's uh, a step back, let's go a step back um so I think the the potential but also the problem is that the data is one of the most important resources of our time, yeah so um it's the base, as we mentioned a few times today, the base for our a i driven future um a i needs data right yeah. so um But here's the great thing, data itself is not limited.
0: Hmm. Um,
1: So the potential is that um, we we don't have to decide who gets access and who doesn't, uh, because as it's not limited, everyone in the end uh, can have access to that same kind of resource. But um, we are treating data like um, like oil, that's something we hear very often, right? Data is the new oil. And I I think this is um, really a harmful perspective on it Um, because it's then treated like a limited resource and it's not. And the the consequence is that um, if someone wants to work with data, it's really hard to get access to that data. Um, And currently the situation is that they often have to pay a lot of money to access mm-hmm. the data, and this um, the status quo really limits who has access to data and who hasn't, mm-hmm. and who has access, the parties with um, yeah the the strongest financial situation they can. Um, Buy in their access, so to say. If this resource is not limited, how then yeah. can we find um, feasible ways to share data with each other? What do you
0: think, what role does this uh, democratization and access to data play in equal access
1: to healthcare? From my patient point of view, I think I'd like to, to raise the challenge um, who decides at the moment in which area research takes place, right? While organization companies financing the research are not um, always aligned with um, patient's needs or the patient's research agenda, if you want. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting uh,
0: exercise to always look at the counterpart. So now we talk a lot about inclusion of data. What happens if we talk about exclusion of data? This often really reflects a society's values and biases about who and what actually counts, because we often tend to collect only information about what we think is worthwhile to collect information about, right? So if we start to um, exclude a group from providing us with with data, it means actually that we're really excluding in reality who will have a say in public policy, who will have a say in determining where a research agenda goes. now i think we need to transform as a society to rethink about who do we want to include and what can we afford not to include you've taught us a lot about your journey and how you got uh, into data from a really non-technical background even getting involved into a ai foundation what are some recommendations that you would have for our listeners to develop the confidence to start a foundation or to start your own project and use um and harness the power of taking data to make a positive difference in other people's lives.
1: Um, well, I think, and I, I think we learned this during this this um, discussion. Um, every one of us has a very unique perspective, mm-hmm. um, not just a very unique perspective, but also a completely unique skill set. Yeah. And I often, to be really honest with you, um, talking about vulnerability and transparency, for me, it was often really, really hard because I changed my, um, you know, the industries and my roles so often that I sometimes felt, well, wh- where do I have expertise in anyway, mm-hmm. right? So, but it is my passion to discover new topics. Um, so it's part of myself, and I learned to to understand all these roles I went through, um, that I gained in all of them a certain expertise, and I now call this <laughs> this is new. I created the term my liquid skill set. I so, um, your liquid skill set, that's a
0: great, that's a great way <laughs> to
1: put it. Yeah, so um, I have all these different experiences, and depending on the situation I'm in, I choose what kind of, my, what, what skill set do I, you know, bring in, um, and now combine this with your unique perspective, and I think um, we can solve all the problems on earth we have. <laughs> Yeah, I love that because also
0: problems are very liquid, right? They're changing all the time. Like what we might see as a problem today will probably already be solved by someone um, this evening. So maybe tomorrow there's a new problem arising from that. So I think you need a very liquid skill set in order to to make a positive difference in other people's lives. Victoria, I am only left to say a big thank you for being on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. My pleasure. um, That's amazing. Where can people find you if anyone wants to reach out and say, Hey,
1: I'm so inspired by what you've said, I really want to have a chat with you? Yeah, of course, you can find me in all the typical social media channels um, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, um, or you can find me on my website. It's um, built to the future.tech um so i'm I'm, yeah more than happy to to stay in contact to exchange because i always think um yeah this is how we can progress um one can have an idea but it's only when people come together and collaborate and yeah have discussions that we really can progress that's so amazing thank you so much for
0: being on the show
1: Thank you for the invitation, it was really a pleasure to be here, and I love your show, and you're doing great work, um, finding all these um, people and yeah, um, sharing their knowledge with all of us. Thank you so much.